there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Alright scaredy cats, welcome back to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre Today we're going to watch this um, Netflix zombie movie that you talked about uh, a few weeks ago, three mm-hmm. weeks ago I think in your scare and tell yeah it was ages ago i barely remember long time ago don't don't even remember what you said yeah i don't know i probably said something like it's a cinematic masterpiece that (laughs) will never be duplicated cargo and um yeah i mean the way that you describe this movie and its particular concepts this whole idea of the zombie kit um Mm -hmm. and 48 hours the the countdown watch these were enough things that made me want to do it for an app and yeah. you said you wanted to watch it again there's enough things to talk about yeah and so listeners who have been real listening listening we don't do a ton of zombie movies in this podcast or haven't so far just haven't. yeah just uh we did night of living dead night of living dead and then kind of splinter mm-hmm. yeah ones that definitely like embody zombie ideas perhaps yeah. but aren't explicitly zombie but, movies yeah we haven't really full-on committed to doing zombie movies it's not your favorite thing in the world am i right about that chris there's there hasn't been a lot of zombie movies that I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's fair. They're like done to death. Like Walking Dead is like dying because mm-hmm. nobody cares anymore. Yeah, it's David Stoneborough included. Like, who, yeah, who cares about Walking Dead? No, it doesn't. It it doesn't get me. It probably gets me the least excited out of all the subgenres. Yeah. And I I like it most when it's or my favorite zombie movie is probably Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that's totally fair. That's mm-hmm. one of the best. I like the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004, yep. I think it was. Yep, I, I like that one as well. Uh, that's yeah. a great one. Um, Especially the, those opening 10 minutes. Just like yeah. Disney's up. It's hard for the rest of the movie to even capture like how fucking exciting oh, yeah. that opening scene is. Um, 28 Days and Weeks. They're great. Those are spectacular fucking movies. Especially, again, the opening whole sequence of 28 Weeks Later. Oh yeah, at that farmhouse. Yeah. Holy shit, that's the, amazing. The, yeah, and that's that's sort of bleeding into a point that I was about to say is what makes those movies so good, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that they're very, very, very based on the characters. They're very based about uh, on like putting together, especially the second one, twenty eight weeks, mm-hmm. about this the relationship between the two kids and like the father's like guilt that he's experiencing for what happens in that like opening scene. Like totally, it, it's all if you don't in a zombie movie immediately get in caring about some of these mm-hmm. like characters or, or have some sort of um, interesting reason to watch them walk through the zombie world. It's always just like, it's safe here. We're going to here where it's safe. Yeah. No, it's show us people being people, a world being a world. Like that's why quiet place is successful. That's like why movies in the apocalypse still have something to say is because they're focusing on the people rather than the end of the world that we've all seen. Yeah. That's where I think those relationships. Yes. And that's where I think this movie does have something, you know? Yeah. Cool. No, I'm very excited. I mean, Martin Freeman, obviously is Mm -hmm. no small potatoes of an actor. So just to have his, he's a big sack of potatoes, (laughs) just to have him, um, on board alone. is kind of somewhat telling, I think to do this small little project, you know? And yeah. Did you watch the short that it was based on cargo? No, I didn't. So same writers, right? Mm -hmm. Yolanda Romke and Ben Howling. Um, the direct they directed together mm-hmm. the two of them, and she wrote the story. She okay. wrote the movie. Okay, yeah. So they did a short, and then it got made into a full. And then so she movie. is basically the one expanding the concept from the short to the full. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I assume she wrote the short as well. It makes just the two of them are directing. Makes and sense. This is their debut. It fits like the logic that I know thinking about the movie now. Let me remember. Although memory might be a little bit a little bit foggy at this point. Yeah. Um. I can see it really functioning well as a, a short and probably being a good emotional little experience. Right. Yeah. It's okay. I'll just, I want to say a lot of things, but yeah, well, we're about to watch it. Like I said, when you did it for a scare and tell, I've, I've seen only positive quips about it just in the few places that I have heard mm-hmm. people talk about it online. Uh, it's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. 6.4 IMDb, which seems a little lower that, okay yeah that is a little interesting what mm-hmm. does what do the google users say you let me know that's your job i hate my job <laughs> and 87 percent google users liked it it's pretty positive it's good it's a pretty positive review and i mean it's awesome that netflix this is a netflix movie right yes, yes. yeah so hell yeah netflix i love just 
anytime they're bringing on like a new promising director writer team mm-hmm. to make a new movie like netflix into horror is fantastic yeah i think they picked it up from a festival oh so, okay yeah i think it it's did well the position fest- yeah 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 yep gotcha yeah that makes sense because it's a 2017 yes. date on imdb which means it was released you got it much earlier than this yeah. netflix one the wide release was 2018 on netflix uh-huh which is so great i love that as a new delivery system for horror movies you know that's how we got cloverfield paradox and now you know there's been several more but just specifically in horror yeah the ritual and the ritual shutters doing it like a lot too like having a lot of exclusives come out they're both they're they're just now we're like entering a phase where Shutter and Netflix are just going to be bidding, like have a little mini bidding wars on mm. certain content. Because Shutter is getting bigger all the time. They're getting better and better titles. Yeah, they're getting really good, unique titles. Absolutely. And that's amazing that movies don't have to go through the, they don't all have to go through the theater experience. Oh, we're past that for sure. It would be interesting to look at the year's bests and mm-hmm. then try to say like, okay, which ones are streaming services now compared to right. traditional studios? And really, that would be the way to analyze, sure, you know, where we're kind of at and even track across the years yeah. how those things are shifting. But as someone who's had Shutter for about half a year now, even in this time, they've acquired better and better titles and the releases that they're putting out have been more and more impressive, I've noticed. Well, yeah, like a, a big cornerstone of that seemed like it was mayhem. Like that's like mm-hmm. they pushed that all over the internet as an advertisement for like getting into Shutter. Yeah. It's just, you know, Glenn's face, Stephen Yeun's yeah. face. And that's all blood. Colin Gettys, the guy who used to host the Midnight Madness and organize that. Now it's right. Peter Kaplowski. Yeah. But he his job now is head of acquisition at Shutter, and he is the one curating and selecting all those incredible... What a great job to have. <laughs> I can't think of anything better than that. That's so great. You're bringing movies to the world. Oh, my God. And that's... Yeah, so that's really where I was going with that thought, is like, some, sometimes I don't go see a movie because like it's a hard to do. I don't have time. I don't have anyone to go with. Like, mm-hmm. nah, I'm not going to spend the money. But when it shows up in your house, you know, and you get to watch it with like someone you live with, like that's so fun. It's so great. Yeah. And they're good movies. Not every single thing that comes out on Netflix and Shutter is good, but we're getting really good, you know, a level movies, better and better for sure, that yeah. are premiering on those services. Exactly. Yeah. It's just great. It's just such a fun time to be a horror fan. Hell yeah, dude. On that note, for my scare and tell. Scare and tell. Scare and tell. I want to play a game. Dave's game corner. <laughs> is Chris gonna watch the trailer? I love in um, Instagram. The, in the <laughs> in the little, we have uh, like six gimmicky intro songs. So many little songs. <laughs> Um, I forget what I was going to say. You said, I love, you, your thoughts started with, I love how in the, oh, in the Dave's game corner, little song thing, yeah. um, is like, it's like Dave's in the corner play, or whatever. And then yeah. I'm like, yeah, I got this like the most droning, like, yeah. Cause I think I go, I want to play a game. And you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going through your head at that point? <laughs> yeah, like I think you. I'm about to say something, and yeah. you stop me, and it's like, oh, yeah, and then I say what I'm trying to say. I like I like the erratic drums that sound like um, a guy in the first stage joining the band, and he's like hit the drums at the wrong points, trying to like find yeah. the rhythm, but there's no rhythm to find, and no one told him that. So it's like, yeah, Oh, you're really good at this noise music that we're making. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but enough about our segment theme songs and more about our segments. Nobody First, heard any of that because it was all under the song. Mm, we, then we probably played the song three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> to cover a lot of banter. <laughs> Haven't even started drinking yet. Uh, Scare until I watched a Shudder acquisition. Okay, cool. Shudder got it from Midnight Madness at TIFF last year. Okay, here we go. A little movie called Revenge. 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 You know this one? No. It's a French film. Directed and written by Coralie Fargiet. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm not saying that. The old Coralie Fargiet. Yeah. yeah. Coralie Fargiet. Who knows? That's, that's my pretentious attempt. Would you like me to do it? I've got a really good French accent. Well, let's hear it. I, can, I can't see the name. Um, Coralie Fargiet. <laughs> I've said it five times. Coralie Fargiet. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> you said yes, I could do it. I did. I gave you permission, and I I did a horrible job myself. Anyways, this is it's like a rape revenge movie. Okay, like I spit on your grave, like last yeah, yeah, house yeah. on the left. Those kinds of kill things. Bill. Sure, exactly. It's like that and a cat and mouse type thing. Um, oh yeah, okay. I, yes, I do know what this movie is. It kind of made me feel like um, 
uh, sort of like you're next. It gave me the feeling mm. of like sort of woman in the house, kind of you know, home invasion-y, but she's striking back. Cause exactly. She's, yeah, she's yeah. got the power and she's like taking revenge one by one through these yes. dudes. Okay, so I do know this movie. So it's a rich, douchey dude who of is taking, is cheating on his wife and kids or his wife primarily. And <laughs> kids, he's going out and hanging with other kids, teaching them lessons, playing catch. Teaching them, them how to play catch, throw the football back and forth. Oh. He's, so, ta- he's taking this young woman to his like expensive, other crazy house in the middle of a desert where him and his buddies go hunting like a mm. weekend every year. Apparently that's what it seems. So okay. he's helicoptering in and he's got this young girl that he's there just to sleep with, cheat on his wife with, and mm-hmm. then his two buddies kind of show up because they're about to go hunting on this area. And she's just going to apparently lounge around and just live in this mansion while they go hunting. It's three of them. Then one of them rapes her when the main guy is gone. And mm-hmm. the main guy is like, oh, we just have to we just have to kind of kill her and deal with her and just get rid of her kind of thing. Right. They're unsuccessful at that. And she's coming back and getting revenge on them. So very kind of cliche plot mm-hmm. how it's all set up. But it is done incredibly stylistically well. You know how I said with Strangers Pray at Night, um, I was frustrated how the aesthetic was inconsistent and you have kind of like the, yeah. a particular soundtrack and look and colors at one point, but not throughout the whole thing. Yeah. This thing is very consistent start to finish. Um, mm. There's incredible cat and mouse type scenes where they're kind of going after each other, like diff- her and different characters. It's like just three incredible sequences of this is her and the one guy, this is her and the other guy, this is her and the final guy all building up to it uh so slickly done and sounds great th- it's so great it's it's one of my favorites this year so far for cool. sure it's wonderful i'm definitely checking this one out. oh my god dude and um the fact too because i haven't seen a lot of these movies i haven't seen i spit on your grave i saw the remake of last house on the left i never saw the original i saw the remake too yeah it was big when it came out it was a big mm-hmm. deal um and i'm, I'm kind of hesitant too because there's something about the idea of just watching someone get raped and then kill people for it. Like the, there's something kind of unappealing about that. Yeah. Um, because it's directed and written by a woman doing this, I feel in safer hands watching a movie like this. Like there's something okay. about like, nice. okay, this yeah. isn't, this isn't a dude. This isn't, this isn't Wes Craven filming yeah. and writing and showing a woman yeah. being raped. Somebody going like, what's a good motivation? Exactly. Rape. Yeah. It absolutely. feels, yeah, yeah. it feels more empathetic. It, okay. You feel like when you're watching the screen, like you're in kind of a better, more safe place than if you're watching a male director showing yeah. rape. You know what I mean? I totally do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it does show like there is, there is some objectifying of the main female, but it's through the view. I think in a similar way to neon demon, even though that was directed by a guy, it's through the view of these other characters who are objectifying her. Mm. You never feel like, um, the female actress is being exploited. Um, when you're watching this movie. Okay. And it's just, it's just a thrill. It like, sounds it's like so it's satisfying. well paced. So and... fun. It's so well paced. The whole like final sequence chase cat and mouse scene is incredible. Awesome, um, dude. The blood is phenomenal. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The color is beautiful. Like this is just an excellent film. Whoa. Yeah. That's all right. Well, that's very high up on my list now to watch. Great. Awesome, man. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, how about you? <clears throat> so this week, uh, I actually also watched um, a really, really. It wasn't that good. Never mind. I saw the movie Bad Samaritan in theaters. Okay. With David Tennant. Ah, oh, I think I've heard about this. Yeah. So it's it's not that good. It was. I like David Tennant a lot. Yeah, of he's he's good. Um, it's kind of like think of him as um, Danny. think of him as a uh, Kilgrave in uh, Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that sort of a, a creepiness to him. A little bit more like New Yorkers, a little bit. Um, it's a r- movie about this, I guess, this guy who's a killer from like since childhood. He was a messed up kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but these two guys are running a like a scam, a valet scam, where when somebody goes into this restaurant, they steal the car, go to the house, see if it's got a garage door opener, and then they take small things from the house and okay. make a living that way because they don't want to actually get caught and get involved in something too big. He takes David Tennant's car, mm-hmm. goes to his house, finds that there's a woman chained up oh my God. in the house. And like, there's like a torture room with like bats of acid and Fuck, like, or, man. yeah, like it's a whole, so that's an appealing setup. Yeah. And so the movie becomes, uh, when 
he tries to call the police, but he's like, he's got his own past offenses. So they don't really believe him, which is the most cliche and frustrating thing in the movie is that police don't believe him. Mm-hmm. And that's why everything can happen. Um, but it's this cat and mousey kind of game here and there because they're breaking into the houses and then trying to get out when, you know, somebody's actually there. So that happens a lot. But it's like sort of like this sabotage, like cell phone sabotage movie where they're going in, they're taking pictures of like a screen that's been left on so that they can get a code. They steal his credit card that hasn't been activated and he's able to like call the last number that was called on their phone and like figure out that they the credit card's been stolen. So it's like, it's hard to, to describe, but basically David Tennant then goes on this spree of ruining this guy's life via like cell phones and the internet. Okay. And then it turns into a pretty typical near the end kind of a hunt. That seems sort like of thing. that seems like a lot of different ideas crammed into the same movie. Yeah, it's it makes sense because it, it, more than anything, it is a break in sneaking movie. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, like people are constantly using the phones on their cell phones. At one point, like he's on a video call with his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like his David Tennant has broken into his friend's house and there's something going on there and David Tennant ends up picking up the phone and looking at it. And the second he does, the kid snap, snap, screenshots a picture of his face. Ah, So it's very, very like current day technology. Everybody has a, a documenting device on their phone. They're downloading things. They're going into people's computers and finding their um, password keychains and taking that information, doing crazy Facebook posts to like cause rifts between stuff. Like mm. a lot of like, yeah, sabotage and framing in order to just discredit this guy and ruin his life. Yeah. And it's like, as a complete experience, it's ineffective, I think, because they do too much of this stuff. Mm. But many of the sequences are really good. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know too much to say other than what happened in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I think everybody's going to take it in a little different. But there's something not lasting about it. Hmm. Like, it is definitely a throwaway movie that I would have been better to find and download and just watch. Right. Than paying the money to see. Where was this playing? Uh, I think I saw it at Scotiabank. Okay. Yeah. So just normal theater. Yeah, somehow, like, I, I, that title sounds familiar, but somehow I've just totally missed that one. Like, I have that one's yeah. just flown right underneath my radar. Yeah, I don't even know why we watched it. Trevor <laughs> Trevor actually drunkenly in the middle of the night, the night before, I said, like, we should see Infinity War tomorrow. And I was like, whatever you want, man. And I don't care. Like, I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen all the Avengers movies. Me neither. And uh, and then I'm like, did you want to see that? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I read the Wikipedia plot synopsis yeah just to be like just just tell me what happens i don't need i've had enough of these tweets of oh my god infinity wars <laughs> holy shit can you believe it yeah like, believe what my, oh okay yeah my face after infinity wars and it's just yeah like exactly. of a bowl of skittles how, or something like how good could it possibly be yeah are you stunned so you've bought that much into the mcu i have not so i don't care sorry scaredy cat marvel fans unless you love black panther because i could watch that movie on repeat yeah i love it so much wow yeah huh it's, it's such a good movie we need a Marvel podcast to get into that, but we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was an mm-hmm for we're not getting into that. Bad Samaritan. Okay. Sounds like the kind that I'll watch when it comes to Netflix. If it comes to Netflix late yeah. at night, I'll half watch while I play a game on my phone and yeah. look up for those sequences. Yeah. That's that's all, all you need is to look up now and then. Awesome. So... <laughs> This Dave and Christery is one I remember. This Dave and Christery. Yeah, yeah. It's one I remember <laughs> quite fondly it, uh, when we did 2016's Blair Witch. Oh, Simon yeah. And Adam Wingard. Because we, we plowed through a lot of their catalog in our first year. I love that movie so much. Oh, it makes me so happy because you were so skeptical and gave me a hard time about it for yeah. so much like, leading <laughs> up until we finally did it. But I also remember the episode fondly because we spontaneously decided while doing an intro just like this one. Maybe oh yeah, we should switch out this one. <laughs> Doing an intro just like this one, and the last minute you just you gave me that offer of, well, do you want to watch it today? Do you want to do it right now? And we did, and we chose. Yeah, to watch it. you're right. That is that's a unique moment in the podcast because that one we didn't come up a gate saying what we were going to watch. We did it kind of yeah. at the end, I guess. Um, but do you? I was trying to remember what were we going to watch. What was it? Because it was one we were half-hearted about. Clearly. Was that the time that you downloaded the wrong version? Void. Of, uh, the wrong void? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think that was out in the other room when we were still out there. Okay. Uh, p- yeah. 
I don't remember what we were going to watch. Yeah. I know we had like a tentative plan. Mm-hmm. And, and and even in discussions, like we could just do Blair Witch. We could do this. We could do this. Like, eh. I don't remember what happened. You know, but I feel like we wouldn't have come over here without some plan. Yeah, I know. But anyway, that movie is just, it's a victim. It is a victim of expectations that were set by the audience who loved that first one. Yeah. Who had expectations that couldn't ever possibly be fulfilled. An original movie like the first Blair Witch, you can't have a sequel that's going to be anything remotely like what it sets up. It's just, it's unreproducible. Agreed. You need to do something different. And I love what they did with it. I absolutely love what they did with it. I loved the, I know the big, the big controversy is seeing the witch. Like, you know, you should never see the witch. Yeah. Cause I can't think of anything else in that movie that's offensive at all, mm-hmm. but you see the witch and people hate that, that thing where they're like in the corner with the camera looking behind them mm-hmm. and the witch is just trying to get them. And the one second the dude looks back, it just snatches them. Yeah. That filled me with a lot of terror in this, know? in the, in, in the 2016, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like we were saying when we were doing the um, Poltergeist episode, like, yeah, things, rules, or no, sorry, when we were doing Strangers, when we were talking about Strangers Pray at Night. Okay, yeah. You have rules kind of set up, and people hold, sometimes hold those rules too dear. Mm. So the idea in Strangers of, like, they're immortal, I love that about the sequel to Strangers, that they break that. To me, that's exciting. Sure. Same with Blair Witch. Not showing the witch. I I enjoyed getting little doses of whatever the fuck the witch was. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Because it's not that first movie. If you want to watch that movie where you don't see the witch, that's the first one. That's fine. Yeah, I don't think I, I could happily go through another one of those experiences because it would just be cookie cutter. Yeah, and then you would complain that, oh, it's just the same thing as the first yeah. one. So it's nice. Like I, There are undoubtedly uh, franchises where it's important to stick to the logic. Mm-hmm. The characters that it's important to kind of reproduce it because you can do it in a different way while maintaining that logic. But I think with Blair Witch and with Strangers... Um, it's great to break those rules yeah. and to show the Blair Witch for a little bit. And then just in the context of what they've been mastering, like with the VHS movies over the last little while, their found footage, I feel like Blair Witch is just kind of their final awesome say on a yeah. found footage horror movie. And it's it's masterful. I, I think it's so good. Yeah. The the tent shoots into the air. Mm, that's like, that's probably the one thing I don't I like. I love about it. that part. <laughs> I love it, that feeds into the fact that they just can't get out of the woods. You know, like oh my god, when just, you see the two do, the two other people show up and yeah. he's got like a beard and he's yeah. been there for weeks or like days and days and it's only, like I love the weird time stuff. Yeah, and it seems like their environments like turning against them. Like they yeah. should never have come back. Like it didn't seem like this oh is some god. curse placed on the family. It's the place, like love the ritual. It. I I find that so satisfying to watch like not just a monster who's pursuing you mm-hmm. is like moving the trees or whatever, but the actual place itself turns against you a little bit. And that whole last half hour is oh, just God. nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonstop adrenaline. And oh, I just love it. I will rewatch that one over and over again Definitely. for sure. And I've still to this day seen it once. So like, yeah, that would probably be very close to as effective to watch again at any point. So yes, for me too. Awesome. And the main actress in that one, mm-hmm. in the Blair Witch remake, is also the main lead actress in Justin Benson and Aaron... Or no, yeah, Justin Benson and Aaron, Aaron Moorhead's The Endless. Nice. She's the lead in that one as well. Sweet. So she's really... And she's doing Nick Winding Refn's new project, which is an Amazon TV series. Awesome. Yeah. So this actress, I'm sorry, I don't know her name off the top of my head, is really like carving a name for herself in the genre. Mm-hmm. And it set herself up Love for a lifetime it. of conference, conference, horror conference appearances. Yeah, if and, the movies dry up. Yeah, and when her own career dries up, appearances and very, very low budget. You know, like yeah, reemerge. Well, I mean, Leslie Vernon type movies. Yeah, exactly. Like actresses like Barbara Crampton, who were just scream queen, a mm-hmm. scream queen in the eighties, and did so many movies then. Now are just every like horror director who saw those movies when they were growing up. Yeah. want her in their projects. Absolutely. So like Barbara Crampton's working more than she almost ever has now mm-hmm. ironically that's awesome <laughs> even though it was like a dead spell in the 90s and 2000s now we're in this great yeah. wave of horror her brand has matured enough that you know she's relevant again yeah awesome awesome dude great um i guess that brings us to the point of the show where we start the dave saw why why do we do that because we're gonna watch a movie man watch a whole movie chris but our podcast episodes are 45 minutes to an hour how are we gonna fit a whole movie into this we are going to use magic and jump ahead into the future well, Scary Cats, I don't know how that works, but enjoy this lovely chainsaw noise. Cheers.
right. Do you, do you want me to kick it off? Please and thank you. <clears throat> I'll speak normal. That movie made me feel sad. It's a sad one. Not a lot of like uplifting, exciting, redemptive moments. It just feels like kind of a slow deflation yeah. from the top to the inevitable end. Yeah, I, I like that like from the beginning, like from even just the synopsis, like you get that already. It's sort of like a the road, like the hope for the totally for the like parent. The yeah, the parent's hope is not there. It hasn't been the whole movie. It never is going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, all these little examples of a potential yeah. just show like the bleakness. Like that could be a metaphor for like looking for food, looking for anything in the apocalypse, like looking mm-hmm. for a nice place to put your, your little baby when you go yep. inside of 48 hours. It, it sort of feels like it has to be slim pickings. So like emotionally speaking, the drain yeah. just begins at the, at the beginning and it's slow, but there's some, it's very harrowing. So you get that satisfaction at the end. Yeah. If I, like overall, I feel like the road is much bleaker, but there's mm-hmm. a certain, in a certain way, this is more bleak in that Martin Friedman is, or Freeman is dying the whole time. Like you just yeah. kind of know that his clock is ticking down. Yeah. Whereas the road, it's kind of like it happens at the end, but yeah, you start figuring it out halfway through or near the end. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it's, yeah. Why don't we just talk about the sad parts, like to, to get us rolling? Because like, that's what I was trying to say a little bit at the beginning is part of what's important about doing an apocalypse movie now is making it emotional and character driven, mm-hmm. which I think this movie succeeds at. Yeah. You know, so like, I guess maybe the big, for me, the biggest like uh, emotional, like banger moment is like when the, the father who he sees on the riverboat right at the beginning of the movie with that little family. Yeah. Who like wisely warns him off with the gun. He's like, yeah, get out of here. Like, Keep on moving. Don't even think about it. Yeah, exactly. And then in the, in the interim, when he comes back, he's like, I saw people with kids. This is where I'm going to end up after all my, thing. yeah, it's a good yeah. go-to spot to say, Hey, maybe the baby can go here. Yeah. Uh, and then like, cause it's special circumstances. Exactly. And then you see that big bite on the father's neck and it just seems somewhat inevitable in this world. You yeah. Know? You don't see too much zombies, like too many zombies walking around, like threatening them. It's here and there. It's just, it's so extra tragic that like, I assume the wife and kids weren't infected. No. It's just like, they're going to be toast anyway. So yeah. this is the cleanest way for them to go. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to to mm-hmm. be the case and those three bullets and then he runs up to like catch up with them like really this guy who shoots his own family and himself like the mist style um mm-hmm. he runs up he's like you're gonna need this as much as you please won't take, take it. this gun yeah please take it he almost uses it yeah even when they first pass by i couldn't help but think oh it's because he just sees martin freeman like he, he only sees the dad like the mom okay. and the baby were inside yeah, and yeah. maybe if they signaled hey we're a family too that yeah. would have maybe the dad, the guy on the shore might have received them a little bit differently. Yeah. At this point, it's just a creepy adult that's Dude, going by. You might, you, you might be exactly right about that. That seemed like a somewhat intentional shot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, even what starts this whole thing off is it frustrated me a little bit the first time I watched is like, he goes into the boat and just lies for no reason. He says it was safe. Yeah. He could have just said like, yeah, there's one in there and she freaks out a little bit, but like, I guess it's this a... like sitcom level, like, Oh, can't let her know. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. I guess it's just to make, give his wife a sense of security. Like, yeah, I'm that's... make it seem better, but you're right. That's not a wise decision under mm. these circumstances. Yeah. And that ends up getting her killed, which is one thing. And then the reason that he eventually gets bitten is sort of the same. I know, super I know, I know it's really sad. But I mean, that's sort of the the story of this character is he can never like execute. He can never pull the trigger. His plans kind of consistently fall through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher says it to him sort of as a legend. She kind of goes like, you can't just hope like that's not going to do it. Yeah. You know, he, he's hoping that the hospital His flaw but, is hope. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, ah, this will work. God out. damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's tragic as fuck. Yes. Yeah. And like always the creepy dude, always the governor, always someone mm-hmm. that you have ushers you in with a false sense of security yeah that like oh this will work and then to see people in cages like yeah people in cages he's like got this holding this woman hostage killed mm-hmm. her husband mm-hmm. like rapey murdery type like always that always that i couldn't i didn't fully grasp these contraptions that they were in so there was like a lift from the outside that yeah, I th- I think that if that was something like, because they're in Australia, so if that's mm-hmm. like, they've got like boars, they've got, you know, dingoes, like all sorts of stuff to, like pests to yeah. deal with in these outback settings. I think that is a big, heavy drop trap that would be open 
the creature goes in and then the mechanism releases and it falls down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just in reverse. Like one of the, the winch cord that would normally pull that up was accessible to them inside. They tied all the meat to it. And then all the zombies fighting over it were just tugging on it yeah. and applying the pressure that would normally, they you'd use your pickup to open it and expose that creature after you've what, totally. sedated. It just seems like a, a, a strange move then to not, just cut that cord off entirely from this guy who's trying to keep them in this cage. Yeah, it, I get it. Just it's like a Sherlock Holmes moment. It's like mm-hmm. no one but him could have thought of that. And he's not—he's clearly yeah. not a genius. This yeah. dude who is keeping these humans hostage and yeah, it, exactly. He's kind of loosey goosey with it. And he's not even chaining them to the cage. He's chaining them to just to each just other. Each other. Yeah, figuring that would be enough. Mm-hmm. You know, not figuring they would use a little MacGyvered solution to have the zombies. Like, yeah, a whole bunch of them pull it. And because you saw him try to lift it himself, he couldn't do no, it. No, way too heavy. So it seems like it was in a, like the trap itself functioned. And uh-huh. I thought that the first time I watched it, I'm like, wow, how, <laughs> how has he got a built-in escape route? That's not that's I know. any sense. It did seem a little strange. But then also the other the other guy was gone, the clever man. So he yeah, got out. They're not good cages, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little kid sitting there holding their knees. Sure, they're not going anywhere, but adult adults might figure yeah. it out a little quicker. Just trying seems to get you out. <laughs> yeah. But so some, I think the best thing to do with the movie, like a zombie movie is just to really highlight what's most unique about it, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, those kits are cool. I like that the world has been developed to a stage where these kits have been distributed and are kind yeah. of readily available. Like one for every home. Like That's a- how deep we are into this. Cause yes. there's always a timeline. There's always like how close we are to the outbreak versus how yeah. far in the future it is. And this like the road is kind of way deep into yes. whatever event took yeah. place this is there's life. developed kits with instructions printed mm. like that's how far we are ahead of it so i i do like that aspect of it yes i also like um the zombies kind of needing dark and having that instinct to bury their heads like ostriches yeah i wanted to talk about that because like you you wonder whether like what that um does for the zombie world mm-hmm. is those zombies can't see or hear or smell and it seems like those are the senses that they use to find prey like the sight and smell of meat is enough to make them carrot on a stick walk for that great ending um so it seems like is that a move of desperation that people right before they you know turn Mm. Uh, or is it yeah the zombies like trying to you know they need darkness is what the kid tells us yeah well i would i would have said it was more ambiguous but they adr'd the fuck out of that line when they're in the (laughs) tunnel and got the actress to just say they need darkness yeah so at least her conclusion in this mm-hmm. world is that yeah they they don't like the light too much so mm-hmm. the, i think it's just that instinct of like get underground get underground get yeah. where it's dark and get safe. the dark yeah i like that too because it uh, yeah yeah and it's hilarious to just it's drive by and see a bunch of people with their heads just buried <laughs> in, the sand. in the sand and yeah it's like they they were also making it seemed like they were making a thematic point about not wanting to deal with it not accepting what has happened mm-hmm. like you know burying your head in the sand as the metaphor goes like to just not accept your surroundings, like not take them in. I think that's a kind of cool little visual thing to put on top of this bleak movie. Nice. Yeah. People are literally burying their heads in the sand. Absolutely. And yeah, the, the kind of goo thing is somewhat interesting. It comes out of their orifices. Yeah. I love in that little kit, how they've got the little, the little images, illustrations to show you. Mm -hmm. And like in the beginning you see under their eyes, there's like these big bags and around their mouth in the little image. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, it shows you how to use those little spring loaded, like blade ice pick things yeah is that just what it is like just a straight up an ice pick or is it yeah. injecting anything or no. it's just straight up an easy it's blade a, to just yeah a super cheap to produce spring-loaded um self-euthanizing mm-hmm. device totally yeah end you in that moment exactly helicopters can fly over infected cities and just drop crates of these little kits totally and they've got everything you need they've got the little like zip tie wrist restraints they've got a little mouth guard that you put in yeah 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 that they kept popping in that was nice yeah so he that's really cool that's always my thought in zombies if you know it's gonna happen put on a football helmet you know Mm -hmm. tape your mouth shut you know that reduces 99 percent of what makes you dangerous yeah yeah so like i really love that they had that but still zombies are still a huge problem despite totally that knowledge and this is the least you can do even if yeah you're writing great characters and making it character driven you can at least have like some unique flares and aspects in your zombie movie yeah. to set it apart Agreed. you know like there needs to be there needs to be something and this movie does at least deliver on that you're mm-hmm. getting a few fun little new ideas of what a zombie apocalypse would be like yeah uh, just changing the zombie slightly is great like i don't think any of these people are dead mm-hmm. um i think they're all they seem like they're alive 
Yeah. Yeah, rather than your run-of-the-mill, you know, climb-out-of-the-ground zombie, Mm -hmm. which I like that. Yeah, I like all the goo and stuff. Like, it just kind of shows, like, the fact that they've got this sort of, like, ready apricot-colored goo, it just shows that a zombie is currently at play or somebody infected is around. Is around, yeah. It's a nice little warning sign for the characters. yeah. And they they seem to move above a Romero zombie, but below a Danny Boyle zombie, right? Yeah, they're like sure. <laughs> medium speed. They're like somewhat kind of contorting and jolty. Yeah, they're they're awkward, but I don't. Yeah. I think because they're not dead, we're not dealing with rigor mortis, mm-hmm. right? Rigor mortis is what makes zombies so like stiff. Uh, yeah, stiff and unsteady. So Martin Freeman zombie was actually able to carry two kids on his back Amazing, and not yeah. fall down or anything. Uh-huh. Because I, th- I think they're using the faculties yeah. of a living person. Yeah, they still got that strength, which is why yeah. a bunch of them are able to also, using the meat, open up the gate. Yes, exactly. Open problem. up the gate. We're able to drag the mother back in that first scene in the other boat that she goes into. Yeah. Like, so we never we never even get an image of that thing in the boat. We no. just know that she says it had fingers. Yeah, he's trying to suggest, like, no, you were... It's you an animal been, or something, yeah. Yeah, to hold on to that blind hope and you exactly. can bury your head in the sand and not accept what has happened. Really Where's hammering home that metaphor. Well, <laughs> they certainly did. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then we also have those 48-hour timers. That's another part of the kit. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. A, great, a great little thing because then other people in the world comment on it somewhat frequently and the camera just totally looks at do. it here and the there. second they know someone's been bad they're like what's your clock at like yeah and they're, they're making ass- decisions yeah yeah based, based on, on that yeah they're like they're assuming that when they see someone bet yeah. that they have the watch and that they've they timed it that's yeah. how used to those kits people are in this world yeah it just helps you identify mm-hmm. and she the first teacher goes how long you got on your timer he's like you know 46 <sighs> hours give or take she's like have a seat and then the the girl who's being held hostage, she's like, "How much time do you have on?" He's like, 20. She's like, "That's enough time. Let's eat, let's go." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, then get me out of here. What was the fate of the teacher? The teacher, she just got left behind. I they did, they she just didn't left. die or anything. Right? She no, was no. back there. Yeah, the teacher just sent him off. Yes. To yeah, to find Shumi. Right. And Shumi's dad, who Shumi had been keeping alive. Mm-hmm. Um. I know that's like, that's so sad and tragic too, yeah. and even like dragon like leading him around with just blood like fresh cut mm-hmm. that I can keep him in check. Yeah, and all the little things like mm-hmm. to do that, um, throwing like dead rabbits and squirrels and stuff into the little pit he lives in. Yeah, because she doesn't want him until she's able to free the clever man. She doesn't want him to be euthanized until he's able to like correctly send off his spirit or whatever is required mm-hmm. um, from, from their perspective. Yeah. Um, which is great. And uh, we get um, this sort of self-fashioned like mouth guard device that Shumi's made and we, and we see how they follow the blood stuff. So that's a lot of really good delivery without just obnoxious um, yeah. exposition. You're right. Yeah. It was very restrained in its exposition, which I really liked. Like, I like that you cut to, oh, now she's just in the cage. Like, because mm-hmm. that guy clearly had found her yeah. and brought her in there. And they're not showing that scene of capturing her. And Yeah. I, yeah. And uh, I also thought it was cool. Just, I like the little touches in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, with she putting the little leaves in her shoes. Yeah. To, like, hide her footprint so that, because she's trying to hide from her mother. Yeah. Her mother being one of those warriors who were just lighting the fires and eliminating them. You know, eliminating people who weren't of their whatever and theoretically would have done the same to her father. If she had seen her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's this very emotional, like, you know, they suggest that the father's a really good guy, really sharp, really mm-hmm. important to her. Yeah. So they did that very quickly, very, very well. And uh, and she even smooths out the tread on her shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a little extra step. Yep. Yep. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I really like those little details. I love, I love just the setting, like just out mm-hmm. in the outback there. It's just such gorgeous rolling hills. Yeah. It seems totally sparse. Like there's nothing there. They don't mm-hmm. seem to be in need of water much in this movie for wandering mm-hmm. out in the heat. They don't seem to have it. Like it's not, that's not a, a scarce problem resource. <laughs> the little pink hat is all that the little girl needs to totally survive fine. the Australian totally outback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it made for some just great shots like mm-hmm. as a set. Yeah, they're just beautiful and like mm-hmm. tons of like drone camera shots. Mm-hmm. Like looking wonderful. Look great. Looking shooting those drones a lot reminded me, or shoot, the way they shot with those drones reminded me a lot of uh, Denny Villeneuve, like Sicario in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, those yeah. Sweeping kind of shots and the way that just the dusty. drone wouldn't be in shooting in a direct way, but it would be kind of spinning the camera at the same time. So you see yeah. the landscape kind of rotating as you're going in a direction. Yeah, sort of like that vulture circling shot kind of as they go past. Yeah, yeah but it's like you're spinning on a dime, like a shot that only a drone could really, or 
a helicopter that you're moving the camera like this, but yeah, I'm I making this baby motion with my hands, <laughs> listeners. I see what you mean, yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else doesn't. Yeah, but the, just so much gorgeous landscape that also reinforced the the setting as being inhospitable and mm-hmm. vast. You know, like they have to cover a lot of distance to try to get to their next objective. Yeah, vast, but surprisingly populated. Like the, you never yeah. seem to go stretch without seeing some of these some, lurkers in the background. Some folks. Yeah, yeah, and like they're near the river. And, so I, I feel like they're not too deep into the outback. You know, like they're okay. somewhat close. They talk about that hospital kind of being somewhat near. There's right. a school... So I feel like they're in, yeah, like a small town, maybe between a couple of giant towns. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nearby. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The, how all like um, the native children and families mm-hmm. left the, these places before it, like the world, you know, went yes. belly up. Like yeah, they yeah. saw it coming like with, you know, pe- people, characters like the clever man, I suppose, helped like they in the one flashback, he said like people are getting sick, you know, you'll be sick. Like he says that when they're just around the campfire having a good night. Mm-hmm. So it seems it seems like they knew it was coming before it happened to the rest of the world, and they retreated into this like really interesting sort of bowl like um, area. I love that thing. What is the like? What is the geographical cause of something like that? Like it, it meteorite. Well, impact. it looked like that, but it's also so high around the ridges. You know what up, I mean? Yeah, it could be it really really like old a, mountain or volcano. It looks like a volcano that imploded, like yeah. eventually kind of collapsed. Like it has like a yeah. You know, it's like an elevated bowl. Exactly. Like it's not indented like you'd assume like mm-hmm. from a, a usual meteor kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Maybe. It's not just a hole in the ground. Exactly. It's, it's got raised. It's elevated. It's got a raised, raised like ridge around it. But I love it. And yeah. it's interesting that they are, it's like kind of a purgy aspect of, well, let's just take this opportunity to kill a bunch, like draw mm-hmm. them in, slaughter a bunch, and then maybe we'll be a little more safe for a little while. Yeah. Interesting strategy. You wonder, like, we don't really get to talk about whether or not they're straight up alive or straight up dead. But the concept of hibernation suggests to me that yeah. they're they have a finite like lifespan, and that we're like probably a good you know six months to a year distance away from when it started, but probably not far from when these people will naturally begin to die off, mm. and the world has a chance to recover. Yeah, because I don't think they'll live eternally or for years and years like a zombie will. No, yeah, it suggests to me like they need to eat and they need to hibernate to survive to like save energy and whatever and like keep their host alive yeah it seems like short-term hibernation like they don't it's not like a seasonal thing in particular just because some are around and some are hibernating simultaneously like a sleep cycle or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of them too that were out in the outback were wearing like full um full sleeves and full like pant legs Mm -hmm. to like that protects them from the sun they're seeking darkness so you wonder if the sun has some sort of like the same effect as it would on people like a drying and eventually dehydrating effect Mm -hmm. so that they're retreating from that yeah that could be it but i get the impression that it won't be forever that these things exist you know that it's on its way out and that they people need to survive in the hostile climate that exists now Mm -hmm. but like i don't think it's going to be like a decade long yeah there's something so just melancholy and sad about that, about how few there are around in this. You know, you don't, you don't have mm-hmm. a huge wave. There's not a huge horde of these zombies, but it's still enough to just ruin your plans. And even though you've survived for this long, yeah, a oh. few flaws can just destroy you and your wife and yeah. barely get your kid out into safe hands. Yeah. Like, and that's what makes it just extra sad that it's not... It's not this like violent, aggressive force. No, it's, it's just, just enough. It's just avoidable with the right precautions it's, and people are still fucking up all over the place. Yeah, it's it's like it's just enough to put human beings back onto the food mm, chain. Yeah. You know, so like we're now suddenly imperiled and we don't have a defense against it. Yeah. So we generally lose. But then as we're whittled down to our strongest and, mm-hmm. you know, just sparse enough that we're not going to be detected in every place and we get to good locations like like the the natives do in this movie. Yeah then theoretically those groups of people, which admittedly that group of people at the end, they were happy. They were a community, you know, the baby was able to smile and laugh. They're not bad, especially when you just like went a little more in from where the warriors were kind of at the rim. And you saw this whole community of people of different ages. Yes. All kind of getting together and somewhat laughing and seemed a little more pleasant. You know? Yeah. It gives you this image of like, these are scary people. Because they're a going to kill this kid's dad and b going to kill Martin Freeman because he's infected. So the the teacher says, "Don't go if you see fires, don't go near it. They're yeah. cleansing." 
And so they, it gives you this impression right at the beginning that these are bad people to be avoided. But over time, they slowly leak enough story to let you know that, no, this is a, you know, these are people who are surviving it, who saw it coming. This is just their method. Yeah. 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 These are, these are the right people, mm-hmm. you know, whereas maybe the ones who are a little more familiar, those like. Poor little baby Judith to remain with. <laughs> <laughs> little baby Judith. I mean, Judith's got to be like a toddler now in Walking Dead, no? Like a three-year-old or a four-year-old? According to the speed at which my brain perceived Carl to grow, Judith is 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I get that you can compress, even though we're going season to season, year to year of Walking Dead, you can say, oh, well, this season was just a few months and then this next season yeah. is a few months after that. Sure. But you can get away with that less with kid and baby actors. Absolutely. And with the whitening of um, Andrew Lincoln's beard. Like he's he's mm. becoming an old man yeah, very yeah, quickly yeah. because he's acting like an old man every day. Well, I think they read, and this is a spoiler for Walking Dead, but that he's done it for this season. Yeah, so yeah. he's not signing back on. So it's Norman, it's Norman Reedus's show from here on out, essentially, <laughs> right? Which is fine. He deserves to be the leading man of that show. Yeah, he's deserved it for years. <laughs> <laughs> he really has. But yeah, this felt like a, just a smaller scale, bleaker Walking Dead. That sure that did did just kind of leave me with a real sad feeling. And a lot of that is due to uh, Martin Freeman's incredible performance yeah. throughout this movie. His performance was great. And mm-hmm. his like his slow descent, that was a really good somebody slowly being infected with the zombie virus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's having seizures, like spitting up like goo, waking up covered in a blanket all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, like it's these little incidents that usually mean once that starts happening, you're done. Like right. you start quivering like the zombies do or you start puking blood yeah black stuff like in zombie bike like whatever when you start having that symptom you've got it but in this one it was very slow there's the the one night where he's like standing against like the inside of that little cliff just like licking the blood off the wall and what is that blood from did the girl put that on there as like a precaution it was for her father because that was back where oh so that was just old that was just old blood Okay, okay okay yeah yeah gotcha and then yeah he has those moments like where he's like looking at the like the viscera on the ground i know looking back at the kids that tension is great yeah yeah and that's what that's what justifies in my head right at the very end where he's like he's the zombie and then they spray the perfume before he dies oh that's such a beautiful sad little yeah he cocks his head yeah it's like i the girl is like i just want to trigger those synapses that will just remind him put him in a happy place before we end it yeah it's just really sad he's just like following meat following meat following meat and then all of a sudden wait what's that smell like oh yeah right oh yeah and then in, in the Death. distance, flowers. God. And then it's over. He's done it. He's succeeded I'm despite gl- himself. I'm glad we watched it because I wouldn't have watched it otherwise. And I would have turned it off if I did. So I'm glad <laughs> that like this forced me to sit through and watch it because I did. I did enjoy it. And I don't go out of my way to watch too many zombie movies. Yeah. Um, I do. I do think that maybe some of the comments I've seen are a little over dramatic and hypey about it. But praising yeah. it too much. Yeah. I, I get that. Like if somebody like let's say you're working. And somebody walks in and they give you a little one of those styrofoamy like ice cream cones, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, on a hot day working, that's probably amazing. So you get a free movie with Martin Freeman on Netflix. That's a zombie apocalypse with a lot of heart. I can see you going, this is the best fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get giving it a little more credit simply because of the means through which you got it. Yeah. You know, it's being super satisfying, kind of like Christmas morning. And, um, and maybe if it was more into zombie movies, like yeah, if it was a found footage movie that's kind of run of the mill but has a few things, then I'd probably be more excited about it, sure. just because I'm naturally more a fan of that. But maybe just because it is a zombie one, it just doesn't do a lot for me mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I like it because as a zombie movie, I think it's a minimal zombie movie, and it's more of a like really journey. Is, yeah. It's more of a journey with logic, mm-hmm. which uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I actually I feel like I enjoyed it more this time. The second time around, yeah, definitely, nice, definitely. It was really fun to fully understand everything and just watch the logic play out and then seem somewhat consistent. Nice. Yeah, it's good enough for me. And I think uh, Scaredy Cats, if you enjoy zombies, and I would watch it with a friend, you'll have a good time with this one. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bit of a final word. And just nice to see more out of, I mean, Australia just is pumping them out. Yeah, love over it. Over and over again these days. And mm-hmm. Keep it up, Australia. Yeah, absolutely. You got great bleak movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to some Instagram comments. Let's try to get ourselves in a more happy mood here. More like Winstagram comments. <laughs> Winstagram comments. 
All right. So to really shift to the opposite kind of movie here, we're going to do some Instagram comments on our Frankenfish episode. Oh, yeah. Frankenfish, baby. Our legendary Frankenfish episode. Um, the first comment is from old school guy underscore. It's a pretty old school solid guy. handle. Yeah, we've heard from old school guy. The movie was pretty awesome. Watched it a few times, which ah. so people are fans of Frankenfish, like your friend's dad. There is a Frankenfish fandom out there that goes beyond my friend's dad. Unless <laughs> old school guy is your friend's dad. Old school guy. God damn it. It probably is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you had to be there in 2004 to mm. like really want to rewatch something with CGI that is now so dated, but... Yeah, maybe it was that back in 2004? Was that a couple years ago? When did that happen, old school guy? Cause that when just... did you rewatch it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that was last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got their Google notification dinged, so they're like, ah, I'll throw it on again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we also have a comment on our Frankenfish post from Prince Parrish, uh, who says, that movie scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Well. I guess once again. Well, that dates this person about how old they are. They are younger than our run-of-the-mill scared cat. You're right. They when watched. you were a kid, so it's 2004. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, so that's a young... this is a 90s kid. 90s kid. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a younger one, and mm-hmm. sweet. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I've been like hinting at, guessing at is like everybody in their own era of horror movies is going to find some of the worst bullshit really good simply because it's the first. Exactly. First, the worst, baby. That's what they say, and that's why studios can keep putting out kind of shitty horror movies because that's going to be a gateway that's going to be a first taste mm-hmm. of you know a monster movie for yeah. some kids and it's going to blow their mind they're going to yeah. say holy shit a giant fish animals <laughs> can be dangerous and be a threat and yeah. that's like anaconda was probably the parallel yeah. example for me like i watched that a lot as there, a kid and there I loved you go it. yeah and for people maybe a little older than us they'd be like oh anaconda is just the worst piece of shit <laughs> have you ever seen fucking anaconda <laughs> stupid piece of shit it's I, like a bad frankenfish i'd say frankenfish is the anaconda of the 2000s <laughs> sure yeah yeah thanks uh, for those comments old school guy and prince Parrish. thanks guys well, Scary Cats, it's been another one-of-a-kind episode of our podcast, The Text Chris Dave Song Massacre. I'm Dave Stoneborough. I'm Chris Vandenberg. And as often, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Bilbo Dunn got bitten, chaos reigns. Crikey. Chaos reigns. <laughs> chaos reigns. See you guys. Later.